calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Oh, Tony, baby, you're a mess. Uh? Thank Grimes, it's Tuesday. It's time for Trend Lightly. Are you ready? The trending news podcast for anyone who is literally not an absolute virgin. <laughs> extremely online, extremely clueless, horny for Bitcoin. Oh, baby. You're in the right place. Now it's time to meet your host, the Irish-American tornado and the real princess of Wales. We are back. Molly McAleer and Tiffany Maddox. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Trend Lightly in 2024. Today, it's just me, Molly McAleer. My wonderful co-host, Tiffany Scott Maddox, is off for the next week. We didn't get in a fight. She is an anti-vax. It's nothing like that. It's just going to be us this week because I didn't want to leave you hanging. And there was so much to talk about. Now, we're going to get into Gypsy Rose and we're going to focus more on what happened on social media with her in the last week because I am going to do a recap of the Lifetime series that's been running for the last few days. It will have completed by the time you guys are, are hearing this. But, you know, I still want to get to whatever happens in tonight's Sunday's episode. So far, I've found it to be very illuminating. A lot of the stuff is stuff that we already knew, but it's nice to hear from Gypsy herself. So a little quick recap on what's been going on with me over the holiday. Very chill Christmas. Very, very chill time. Lots of sleeping. A lot of sleeping, which if you guys are regular listeners, you know that that was sort of my goal for the holiday was to just sleep. I didn't watch 9-11 footage, believe it or not. I, I watched a little a couple days prior, but that normal holiday routine was it just wasn't there for me. Did a lot of takeout. Dude, PF Chang's has a gluten-free menu. I've been I've been Changing it and it's been fantastic. I think I'm gonna order the egg drop soup later on. Lots of soup in Vegas, fantastic time. Three amazing nights there with my, you know, special guy and you know, just celebrating my birthday a little early. I believe I had three or four shrimp cocktails. One of my favorite parts of the whole trip, though is that I had wound up like advertising my cameo, I think on TikTok and Instagram threads or something. And I think like eight or nine people booked cameos. And it was just really, really fun to make these videos from the floor of the casino. That is in no way a further advertisement or pressure to ever book one if you want. But I always forget to promote that I even am on Cameo and just some of the requests that people ask for and some of the things that people want to talk about were really fun and it meant a lot to me that you want to hear from me. I try to make it as fun as possible. Um, what with, you know, being on the casino floor and everything. A, a, one big miracle happened to me when I was in Vegas and it always feels like it goes this way. So if you guys aren't aware, I love the Buffalo machines. I like Buffalo Diamonds. That's my favorite one. If you don't know the slot machine, uh, Buffalo Diamonds or all the other iterations of Buffalo, you'll hear throughout the entire casino, Buffalo. And like that is 
that's made in call. And I knew I wanted to play Buffalo as soon as I got there. So we check into the hotel. We get a little early check-in. I go downstairs by myself. I find my Buffalo diamonds, sit down, put a hundred bucks. No, I put 20 bucks in the machine. My first bet, $5. I go grand, I go for the grand bet, 4X, okay? I make $618 on my first hit, $5 bet which is, I think, how they get you. I think they spot a new face in the casino and they're like, we're going to get her addicted for the weekend. You know, it's not the smartest thing to play slots. It's probably one of the dumber things you can play when you're in Vegas, except for, I don't know, craps, which I guess is a game that if you are good at it, you have chances of winning. To me, it just looks like absolute chaos and not the kind of chaos I normally enjoy. So, uh, you know, I, I don't really recommend the slots to anyone, but I, I do look at Buffalo as a meditation. I feel like it it calms me down. It connects me to the spirit of my late dog wagon stuff. The Buffalo to me looks like wagon stuff. And it's just sort of a nice way after a crazy game of blackjack, whether you win or you lose or some roulette, perhaps to be able to sit there and play Buffalo feels really good. Met a lot of unique characters over the trip. You know, some of my favorite, Ashley and Nick. Nick, don't stop asking Nick about when he's going to propose to you because I think he probably already has a, a ring. He just wants you to be completely surprised. So put it out of your mind. I don't even think she knows I host a pod. Put it out of your mind, sweetheart. And because I think it's coming as soon as you stop talking about it. Yeah, just really fun time, interesting characters, you know, friends that you think you're going to have for life and never speak to again. And overall, just a, a great time. You know, there is something sort of frivolous and maybe even sad feeling about Vegas. But when you only go on a couple of vacations a year, you do get a lot of bang for your buck, a lot of action. And I found just now I went for a walk before recording this. I found an $80 cash slip for Circa. And I was like, you know, that would be foolish to fly back to Las Vegas for $80. But apparently if I mail them a photocopy of my ID as well as the slip itself, they will send me my $80. $80 is $80 in this economy. Who are you kidding? That's easily a Trader Joe's trip. So I want to get into what's going on with Gypsy Rose. So I think that we it's unnecessary to go back and talk about too much about what her release day was like because it was on the 28th and you guys have probably heard other people talking about it. I do want to comment on sort of my shock and awe when I saw her leave prison in that distressed baby blue to sort of a medium blue shirt ombre. No, no shoes makes sense. She wants to go buy new shoes. I was surprised that there wasn't even a slipper brought to her. And I will say that there's something about the, those distressed tops in particular that I find very triggering. Uh, as you guys know, I am a TJ Maxx Marshalls shopper. I do love to go get a deal. In addition to, you know, I'll shop at the mall. I'll go, you know, buy stuff online. But I, I'm never going to not hit up a TJ's, for example. And sometimes when you're in a TJ's that is hmm, like, I don't know, it's not replenished frequently. Maybe they're afraid of theft in the local area. You're going to wind up finding a lot of tops exactly like that. And I, I just want to know where the choice came from. If she picked that out on video chat with her husband, Ryan, who, by the way, I am sensitive about Ryan. You guys know that I am soft on crime, generally speaking, but I I don't think he's as bad as people seem to be making him out to be. I don't think that he is some sort of I don't think he's predatory. I believe there's a lot of people online right now speculating that he's predatory because he was working, I, I believe, somewhat of a regular job and then got hired to be a special education teacher at a local school in Louisiana. But it was a religious school, a private religious school, and they wound up letting him go because of his connection to Gypsy. And it is not uncommon for any sort of private or religious school to sort of monitor and base hiring and firing decisions off the personal lives of their teachers. So, 
you know, I think that the fact that he's a special education teacher shows that he has a lot of compassion and it shows that he's a person who, you know, cares about others, cares about giving people a shot that, you know, might get left behind in society. Otherwise, I don't necessarily think it's predatory. Uh, and I am sad to hear, I'm bummed out that he lost his job because, you know, Gypsy right now is on this wild press run doing her release with her with the Lifetime documentary and also just receiving lots of praise, lots of attention. And with him being out of work, it's hard to sort of instill a sense of normalcy, I think, within their family unit. But at the same time, you know, once this is all over, things will get back to real life. Gypsy has said herself that she would like to have a nine to five job eventually someday. But right now, there's just too many opportunities in front of her to turn that down. So because of all of this attention that she's getting, and we knew it was going to happen, right? And there seems to be this huge disconnect in society right now about the fact that, you know, like there people weren't aware that the Lifetime documentary was going to be following her exit from prison. And they thought that she was being chased around by the paparazzi. That is not necessarily the case. She was just being filmed by Lifetime. I actually think for the most part, she has been pretty much left alone. There were safety concerns about her going to the Chiefs game to meet Taylor Swift. If I have to be honest with you, I really do think that the like call that allegedly her parole officer made for her to return from Missouri to go to back to Louisiana for her own safety. I do believe that that came from Taylor Swift. I, I really do believe that. I think, one, she would have been mobbed at the game. And it is weird to have a little bit of a celebrity of sorts, especially someone who you know, Gypsy Rose, I could, I could see her being treated similarly to like the way that someone would treat maybe like Jax from Vanderpump Rules, where it's just like, wow, this is a prop. Like, I can't believe I'm seeing this person that's famous for bad things, but also I feel kind of bad for them, you know? So it, I think that it would have been a dangerous environment had she been at the game. I also would not have been surprised if Taylor Swift herself and her security were, I don't think it was Taylor personally who called, but I believe her security probably called and said, this is just going to be a lot of media attention. And she would have, either way, she would have gotten blowback or praise had she met her or not. But I think ultimately, you know, there is a lot of sensitivity around meeting Taylor within the fandom uh, whatsoever, you know, altogether. And with Taylor being someone who is, you know, stalked by so many people with criminal records. I think that rewarding this publicly, perhaps she will meet Gypsy Rose at some point down the line, but I think meeting her publicly in this sort of environment, given the fact that she's just left jail for uh, murder, is probably not the best message for her to send. But yeah, so Gypsy is on social media. If uh, you've listened to the show for a while, I think you know that we found her TikTok page a couple months back. I believe that this was set up by her family and she was slowly, I believe last time we talked about it, around 250,000 followers. I haven't checked in on the numbers on that recently, but I do know that her first selfie post-prison got 3 million likes in the first hour, which is phenomenal engagement, just absolutely phenomenal engagement. And, and I think for the most part, a lot of people are pulling for her. There's definitely some haters out there. Uh, and I understand people having complicated feelings about it because Gypsy, well, we'll, we'll get to the, we'll get to Gypsy and her personality, I think a little bit more in a bit, but her husband has been getting a lot of hate from people and she has taken it upon herself. You know, a lot of people writing things like, you know, what do you want with her? You're a predator. You're a freak. Um, Ryan is not exactly the type of guy that a lot of people would necessarily pine over or that it would be obvious like, oh, Gypsy has to be with this hunky guy. He is rather average in many ways. And you know, I don't think there's truthfully anything wrong with that. I think it's kind of nice that she's with a normal seeming guy, like a guy that's just run of the mill average. I'd be honestly, I'd be concerned if she was with this, you know, model-esque man. But she decided to write on his Instagram page, Ryan, don't listen to the haters. I love you and you love me. We do not owe anyone anything. Our family is who matters. If you get likes and good comments, great. If you get hate, then whatever, because they don't matter. 
I love you. Besides, they're just jealous because you're rocking my world every night. Yeah, I said it. The D is fire. Fire emoji. Happy wife, happy life, heart. Okay? So for someone who I would say one of the reasons why people are having this big reaction to Gypsy coming out and why she's getting the Yas Queen treatment is because, like, let's look at at what she is. She she was a girl who was medically abused, who killed her abuser because she wanted to step into her sexuality and her womanhood and to become the person that she was never allowed to be. And that is a gay trope. Like, that is exactly the type of woman that I think the gay community typically celebrates and women and and women of all types as well is like it's that you go girl thing. And it's also, you know, she had needs that she started to sense and feel and she wanted to have them met. And I think that this display here of affection and also sexuality, there's people on either side of the coin, I would say as someone who was known for, you know, of course there was the losing the bathroom, the virginity in the bathroom, the sex or possibly even essay that took place after the murder of Dee Dee, the original guy she left the comic comic con type thing with, Vision Quest or what, I don't know what the hell it was called. That guy, I mean, her... Uh, the matter and the issue of her sexual needs and desires has been something that's been talked about this whole time. So when she's out in the world for just two days saying, you know, rocking my world every night, the D is fired, happy wife, happy life. There are some people that are obviously just going to, especially prudish people, are going to take issue with her talking like that. It seems like perhaps she hasn't really moved along much further in her development. I'm one to almost disagree with that. I don't personally think this really matters. I think also Gypsy has been in prison for the last nine years, and she has been around people that have lived lives. They have lived full lives. Uh, They've lived lives that are you know, potentially she's exposed to some language or some sexuality or other things that she wouldn't like wouldn't have been. Maybe she would have been exposed to. No, fuck it. She absolutely would have been exposed to if she was out walking the streets. But it is a far cry from the sort of young virginal role play sort of gypsy that we first knew. So Ryan writes back, who said I give a damn about what these jealous people say anyway? Ha ha. Now come and get it, baby. Look, I mean, would I have responded? No, I personally wouldn't have. I'm also not Ryan. I've never been in this situation. It's a it's a tough situation to be in because on one hand, okay, let's talk about let's talk about Gypsy's personality and where the public is with her right now in the midst of watching this documentary that's been ongoing on Lifetime, but also just people sort of reexamining her story. One thing that has really picked up is conversation around Gypsy being only as remorseful as she needs to be, potentially being a, a big manipulator. I'm seeing a lot of sympathy for Nicholas Godijan, who was the online boyfriend who ultimately did kill her mother for her. And, you know, just I don't know. I don't want to call it a witch hunt because she did do something horrible. But there is this thing and it sort of feels like a little bit of a broke hater mentality that it is is bothersome to some people to see Gypsy sort of moving forward in her life and for seizing these opportunities that are in front of her. Gypsy was a victim. Do I think that she played along and got a person who already had violent tendencies to feed into her game and get her what she wanted? Yes, I absolutely do. And I believe she even says as much. She witnessed, you know, violent behavior in Nicholas, him saying that he had had fetishes or dreams of killing someone to begin with, and she basically struck while the iron was hot. I know that she's, you know, said that she's remorseful and knows that she didn't go about things the right way with the way her mom was wiped from the picture, so to speak, that her mom really just needed mental health care. And because she, you know, was not provided that, she had to get out of the house one way or another. I'm also seeing a lot of people do some 
crazy victim blaming and sort of repainting the picture as Gypsy could have gotten out of that house in any other way. And I have to press back on that because I just don't know if that's true. There are a lot of people, it seems, in Gypsy's life who they they had no idea. And Gypsy was someone who had given power of attorney to her mom. It felt like a Stockholm Syndrome type of situation. Gypsy had no idea what her legal age was until she was 19 years old. She was under the impression that she was 15. And eventually, when she finally broke out, she was 23 years old. So she sat in that house years after she knew she was a legal adult, four years after. And and ultimately, she just she knew that she didn't have it. She didn't stand a chance in life as long as Dee Dee was alive. She would always be returned to Dee Dee. People would never believe her. One thing I will tip to from the Lifetime special is there was a woman who worked at a local movie theater in town where Gypsy was sort of a mascot for them. They would do a lot of charity nights because she believed Gypsy had leukemia because that's what Dee Dee told everyone. Gypsy was someone who would be at screenings. She's in a lot of the press materials for this movie theater as as she was when she lived with Dee Dee, which was in the wheelchair with the shaved head, with the capped teeth. And she said that she has thought about it long and hard. And if Gypsy had pulled her to the side and said, hey, none of this is real. I'm not actually mentally handicapped. I'm not actually sick. My mom is doing all this stuff. She says that she is ashamed to admit that she doesn't know that she would believe her. So I really think that some of the conversations, some of this rewriting of history of Nicholas is unfair. You know, Nicholas does have autism. At the same time, Nicholas and I've just rewatched the act and I've been rewatching some of the court case and the interrogations. And Nicholas's mom confirmed that Nick had the functioning of about a 15 or 16 year old, which is an age where, you know, it is not right to murder. You know that even suggestions of necrophilia are sick. Is it legal to say in the United States? Sure, it's legal to say that you have fantasies of necrophilia. But when combined with the act of actually going on to murder someone, it's much more believable. You know, people are saying that Nicholas had multiple personality disorders, which is dissociative identity disorder. And I, while I do not know much about the diagnostic process for that, if I'm going to look at what I think is going on, if we're talking about a kid that was mentally about 15 or 16, I don't know if anyone else remembers these days of school where, you know, someone would experience run-of-the-mill depression or someone would experience having, you know, a really vivid imagination or someone would feel slightly tortured about something. And instead of realizing that those are all normal things to feel at this very hormonal and sort of wild transitional phase in your life, especially if you are someone who hasn't doesn't really have the outlets where you can speak about those sort of feelings too, it is not uncommon for teenagers to get online and to diagnose themselves with very rare conditions. And most of the time, it is something they grow out of. Because Nicholas has not been diagnosed with DID. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Which I, you know, I have to say, I mean, Nicholas received so much evaluation throughout his life. I'm sure it is possible that something like that could have slipped through the cracks. But by now, if that was a, a viable diagnosis... That diagnosis would be on the chart somewhere. His defense would have gone for that. And I also want to point out that the reason why Nicholas is doing life in jail is because he did not accept the same plea that Gypsy was offered. He had this he was offered the same plea, but he didn't take it, which is why if Gypsy had also gone to trial and chosen to go to trial, I do I do think that she would have gotten slightly reduced than life. But I think but given the circumstances of her abuse. But I don't I I think that she would also have been in prison for a much more significant amount of time. So in in so many ways, when it comes to Gypsy being a manipulator and Nicholas being a victim of hers, I'm not buying it. It's just not it doesn't even show up in the same way where it's hard to draw this parallel. But I I feel like I have to like the Michelle Carter case, the girl out of Massachusetts who experienced medication poisoning and was dealing with a boyfriend who was a little bit older than her and would message her for, you know, 20 hours a day about his suicidal thoughts. And at one point she just started to feel like, yeah, I mean, like, I'll help you if this is what you think will get you free. I'll help you. And, you know, ultimately what it came down to with that case was it's very fascinating. I really recommend any anyone who can go watch that documentary that's also made by the same woman who made Mommy Dead and Dearest, Erin Lee Carr. It's really fantastic. And part two is it really illuminates, you know, a reason why someone could act so outside of themselves and why I think she faced a much you know, lesser sentence. I really, really recommend that people go watch that because to me, that is more of an example of two mentally ill people sort of playing against one another. Um, and I, I just, I don't know, for some reason, I kind of resent her being called called so manipulative. Sure, she she must have learned manipulative skills from her mother, but she, to me, she just seems to show so much more remorse and she seems to show a, a lot of maturity honestly i've been impressed by even just her vocabulary and sort of how far along she's gotten with that gypsy was not only never given a formal education dd Dee Dee barely educated her at all i you know i think a lot of what she learned was through movies i don't even believe she was particularly given sophisticated literature so a lot of what she's learned has been on her own and through her own social interactions and as far as that, you know, goes in this world, I think that, you know, it's very impressive. I'm going to play a couple clips here. I do want to say that she has started to get the beginning of her backlash. I'm not going to play this clip because it's quite short and unnecessary. I've always said that people were going to turn on Gypsy pretty quickly. I tweeted something like the Twitter gays are going to turn on Gypsy by February 1st. I do see that coming just simply because of the fact that Gypsy is she's just not socialized the same way that a lot of people who are incredibly online are socialized. She's been out of the loop for a long time. She's 32 years old and her social experiences have really been limited to what she's had at her fingertips in prison. So there's all sorts of things that are, you know, cancelable. Uh, you even see very smart people like fuck up all the time or say things that are egregious and get canceled. And I just think that because all eyes are on her. She has some cancellation coming towards her. She's getting backlash right now for wearing all Zara in an OOTD. People are boycotting Zara right now because they support Israel. So 
Gypsy played a game of Urban Dictionary with, I believe this is someone from the Lifetime social media staff. Now, I thought this was absolutely bizarre because it seems that Gypsy is kind of really comfortable and it seems like the social media manager, whoever this woman is, is quite uncomfortable. And the clip made me laugh a little bit, but also it, it kind of really illustrates how how m- much she's going to speak over people's heads and her head will be, you know, people will speak over hers. There's a huge disconnect in just the way that people speak in prison versus out here on the streets. So here's this clip. It's posted on Popcrave. Everything's in the show notes, guys, as always. So here's that. All right. So I want to play a little rapid fire game called Gypsy's Urban Dictionary. I'm going to give you some terms okay. and and just instantly tell me what you think okay. it means. Okay. Cap. Cap? Mm-hmm. Um, a hat. Drip. Um, oh God, um, rain. <laughs> Bet. Um, that means like cool. Chuggy. Chuggy? Uh, chuggy. <laughs> chuggy, um, something fat? Ghosting. Oh, that means that they never want to talk to you again. Sip. Simp? Oh, um, that means someone that's a submissive. Oh, like BDSM? Bob. Bob? Um, is it like twerking? Okay. Bussin? <laughs> someone has big breasts? <laughs> a stan. Stan? Stand, um, confidence. Glow up. Um, that I'm killing my, you know, outfit, like I'm rocking it. Flex. Um, that I'm really awesome. Dank? That sounds like an insult. Like, <laughs> stupid. It sounds like something stupid. Okay, since I haven't been in prison, give me terms. Alright, so, what is cupcaked up? Cupcaked up? Cupcaked up. Um, makeup, you, like, did you get fake makeup from commissary or like made up makeup okay what okay. that means <laughs> what does it mean it, it um it means like girlfriends like you are girlfriends with another girl oh like you're you're together oh okay okay so uh the people the people the people um i would say that's like the people versus you like like the people versus like a lot like a case the and people no that's not what that means. okay <laughs> it means um the the staff that works at the oh the people <laughs> <laughs> the people okay um another one is um free case free case free case um a free case of soda pop no <laughs> <laughs> it means um like another inmate gets you in trouble oh that's dark, man. That's good. Okay, I learned some new things, and I'm. I you probably. Let's see. We'll find out what you got right on this. Okay, list. I probably got nothing right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm dying at her knowing the definition of a simp in BDSM terms, but not knowing simp as in you know a guy that's simping for you. I don't know, simp. How would you describe that? I don't know. Uh, I don't even know how you'd describe simp. Just someone who's simping. How do you how do you describe that? Like going over the top, throwing himself on the line. Oh, uh, like pussy whipped. There we go. That's the term. You know, it's funny because Gypsy has said that uh, 250 people had written into her as potential love interests when she was in jail. And I'm sure there was even more. And I'm surprised that some of these terms never were relayed to her by either someone who was just entering as an inmate. Some of these feel like borderline somewhat old slang at this point. And I'm not surprised that this blonde woman (laughs) in a pleasant blouse and high-waisted jeans is not familiar with terms like cupcaked up. That said, you know, it just even just watching sort of this communication difference is really interesting. And I wonder, it just, it makes me think that she it just it just confirms my belief that she might step into shit soon. So then here's the greatest. This was great. So listeners, oh, you know what? Actually, here's an idea. My co-host Tiffany, she has been writing with a death row inmate named Harlem, who we've talked about many, many times on this pod. And t- I do believe Tiffany will free this man. I really do. I think she'll at least get this man's sentence reduced. We should see if he'd be interested in doing sort of a similar game with us with and i feel like harlem is gonna get more 
correct than Gypsy. So then she goes on one my favorite show of all fucking time, The View. Okay, she sits down with the gals for a little chat. She's talking about, interestingly enough, she's not releasing a book in a through a traditional publisher. She is self publishing an ebook as her sort of tell all. And she's not really going to be talking so much about the actual murder itself. I'm not sure if the Son of Sam law applies to the state of Missouri, but if if you're familiar with the Son of Sam law, you know that. It's basically for in many states, it's illegal to profit off of a crime that you were convicted of. That is not a federal law. That is a state by state law. So whether or not she eventually wants to write that book, I'm not totally clear on whether or not she'd be able to. But she has decided to self-publish this ebook. I believe it's out now if you want to get it. But she's there to promote this Lifetime series. And, you know, I'm I'm a little confused about, again, with sort of the brocator mentality. <laughs> I can't believe I can't do better than uh, that. But it's this thing where, you know, it seems like some people online are under the impression that she's personally calling up The View and saying, hey, can I book a slot versus Lifetime having an entire engine behind it and putting a lot of money into this series? I mean, it's quite obvious that Lifetime has put some serious money into this series and therefore they're going to go out and promote the shit out of it. I mean, to be even able to get this exclusive, I don't think there's anyone but Lifetime who could have done it like this. And Lifetime does do a great job of telling women's stories. But she goes on The View and Joy has one of her classic Joy moments where she's like in her own mind a little bit and forgets what they're talking about. And Gypsy's explaining that, you know, she does have shame about what she did. She handled things the wrong way. Let's pick up right there. My words that you are not alone in, in, in this, you know, situation. There are other ways out. Um, I did I did it the wrong way. Um, no, so, no, no, no. you know, don't say that. I, I did. No I did, choice, I did really. something wrong and I, I paid my dues for oh, it. You mean that part? Yes, the part of it, oh, yeah. you know, that part of it. <laughs> yeah. Where are you Never going mind. with this? Yeah, no, 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 no. no. Okay, so, you know, Gypsy, <laughs> murder is wrong. And I don't know what part Joy thought she was talking about, but I do I do appreciate. So Gypsy clearly, you know, she got out on parole. It, I guess she got out what would have been 2025 was going to be her original release date. She had one shot at parole and she wound up getting it. But you know, uh, people are saying that she's playing it really, really close because she just wants to stay on parole. You do need to show remorse in order to get parole and you need to your messaging needs to stay in line with that. You cannot get parole and then go out there and say, like, I'm glad I killed that bitch. Uh, that's not how it works. So it is important that she shows remorse. A lot of people are saying that, you know, this couldn't possibly be true. It's another manipulation from Gypsy Rose. I disagree with that. I think that she is truly remorseful. I think that her mom was sick. I don't know how someone with Munchausen by proxy, I don't know how they get help. I know that they, if they could be reported, then, you know, if they get busted for it or whatever, then it is possible that they could seek some sort of alternate route other than prison time. I will say, though, with the way that Dee Dee scammed and the way that she because with Dee Dee, it's not just about making her daughter sick. It's about the bigger grift at play. And with that, there would have to be criminal charges. And, you know, Dee Dee, this was not the crime that she did with Gypsy. This was not her first crime altogether, uh, nor was it her First financial crime. She also stole quite a bit of money from her deceased mother, was using her credit cards for a year after she was arrested. I believe she also stole some money from her grandmother as well. So just that. Okay, now let's get to Miss Ponytail. Arianka, she has announced that she has a single coming out. And, you know, as someone who's taken improv classes, as someone who is a massive fan of Ariana, as someone who thinks that she can be a little shameless in a way that I go I go two ways about it. If only everyone was this honest, if only everyone owned their shit to this extent, we might live in a slightly better world. At the same time, I think she can be very mean. The name of her new single is Yes And. So yes and 
and then a question mark. And that's going to be coming out on 112. So I think a lot of people are assuming that this is going to be her being unapologetic about the fact that she had what, you know, seems to be very much an affair. This is what Ethan Slater's ex-wife, Lily J, has said about the, you know, breaking up of their marriage, the dissolution of their marriage when, when, you know, their young child was less than a year old. Ariana and her husband splitting. I... I worry for Lily J. I'm going to be honest with you. Break up with your girlfriend because I'm bored. I thought was very cruel to Cassie David, who, I mean, to me, it just always felt like that song was inspired by whatever she DM'd Pete Davidson before the two of them got together while he was on a couple day break with Cassie. I mean, they really had taken a break for like two weeks. And then she messaged him thinking about getting back together. And he was said essentially i'm the happiest i've ever been in my life i'm fine moving on and then it came out pretty much immediately after that that he was with ariana grande so the the idea of that single even being put out there to me always felt kind of mean to Cassie. and you know certainly there's more other victims out there more worthy of sympathy than larry david's daughter um i think that she'll recover she recovered from that nicely and I believe also for a few years, I think they might have broken up, but for a few years that she dated Mac Miller's brother and they even bought a house in Philadelphia or yeah, Philly that. Yeah. So I don't know. Listen, I'm I'm in a weird place with her. I really do think that she's one of the vocalists of a generation. If she's she might be one of our best vocalists of today's day and age. I question her taste constantly, aesthetically. Also, just it's a blurry picture. Once again, you guys, this album, this single cover is a goddamn blurry picture. Once again, she's got red lipstick on. But like where we're at, where we're looking at this, her nostrils are in full motion. It's so blurred that it looks like her nostrils are in full motion. Her eyes may be focused on here. I'm just confused by the aesthetic once again. And well, I think that one of the bravest things she could do, and I mean this, one of the bravest things she could do right now is to own what she's going through versus trying to pretend she was a victim, trying to do the whole like, you know, you've misunderstood me. It does feel on brand for her to go with yes and. I I also just can't help but cringe thinking about the improv theater reference to it. I mean, Del Close is shaking in his grave right now, I believe. But, you know, we'll see how it is. I have missed her. I've missed her music. I've missed her voice. I am a little worried. Uh, just, you know, I mean, I'm not I, I've said it before. If I think that I would be happy if Ariana Grande was my daughter. I love Joan Grande. If I had money and I had a kid who had talent like Ariana Grande, I would throw all that money behind it and, and make sure that she got to the top, too. But I just, you know, I just don't understand the. I don't understand. I don't understand what her fucking attitude is a little bit like I kind of just, you know, she's of course she's got to put out music. It's important that she put out music before Wicked comes out. If Wicked is anywhere close to the flop, I think it might be. And please, uh, you know, hold me accountable if it winds up being a big box office hit and the greatest thing that's ever happened to musical theater nerds. Uh, but I, I just I, I don't know. I'm 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 waiting with bated breath. I hope the video is good. I'm just I know the blonde hair has to stick around because they're going to go back and finish shooting in February. But I'm just I'm hating the blonde. I'm hating the blonde. I'm hating the aesthetic. I'm hating that it doesn't seem like her aesthetic has matured significantly over the last you know decade. It just it's with the it's the goddamn blurry. It's the outer space shit. It's the it's the same thing over and over again. The lack of reinvention is shocking. I mean, truthfully, we all know the only thing that she reinvents each album cycle is her ethnicity and race. So there we go. OK, I want to talk about this. So we got to talk about our favorite little slut, our favorite little bitch, David Dobrik. This is so oh God, I, I you know, listen. I, I'm just this thinking back to the beginning of this podcast, I believe it was episode five when the follow-up started to happen with the young woman, the anonymous young woman, Hannah, um, as she's known in the media, who 
was sexually assaulted at a party at Dirty Dom's apartment, David's former apartment, in a threesome bit type video. David never really took full responsibility for that. This is also around the time that a bunch of his friends, his friend Seth, for example, was coming out saying that he was tricked into kissing Jason Nash on a few occasions. So, you know, he was sexually assaulted. His friend, Big Nick, who he had made fun of chronically for his dwarfism, was sort of exiled from the group. People, David was starting, people were trying to sort of catch on to the fact that David was exiling people from the group when they didn't put themselves in compromising situations. So, David has essentially walked away from the internet in almost all capacities, except for the fact that he is a part of this Snapchat creators program, where essentially it's a large fund, I believe, that is split by how many views you get. So there are people on Snapchat who are making upwards of a million dollars a week just by posting Snapchats and getting engagement with them. So he's still pulling in a tidy amount of money, despite the fact that he has this lawsuit up against him with Jeff Wittick, despite the fact that he has this, you know, now this lawsuit with State Farm, despite the fact that his company Dispo failed. I believe I heard Dispo is being transformed into some sort of dating app. I said, wonder if his friends got uh, who invested in that got hung out to dry or not. But you know, we're seeing we're seeing some sad behavior from the former vlog squad members. In particular, I would say almost most notably Jason Nash. Some of the other people like Jonah, Joe, etc. Those people were always ancillary characters. They were just sort of like the B team or whatever. But Jason was David's right hand man for a very long time. And some would argue basically one of the most important parts of his vlog. When David could not pull through with this bit or that bit or, or had nothing else. Jason was always the first person to put on an outfit and pretend to be a messy sex worker at the airport or, you know, put himself in some sort of physical danger or even bring his kids in and use them as the butt of a joke. So there was this clip and one can only imagine that this is exactly how he, he and like Jason and, and the rest of David's friends feel because where we also started to leave off with the squad when they really, really plummeted after the information about Jeff came out. Like he had moved a bunch of his hometown friends from Vernon Hills out to Los Angeles. And his best friend, Ilya, who was part of the vlog since pretty much the very beginning, as well as, uh, you know, some of the other side guys from that world, they are out here. They've started businesses Ilya has a company called Zila, which is a sort of fitness program slash protein energy drink type thing. I believe David's very heavily invested in that. But the rest of his friends seem to just sort of be trying to do their own thing or potentially are employees of other things. One of his friends, John, who had the little brother, Reggie, who was gay, John was uh, just I guess he just launched a sunglasses company and I saw a video of him being like hey I'm so proud of my friend John he just released these sunglasses and when I tell you they look like they look like they came in come in a, like a transformers box or something like some sort of cheap five below toy but then addition to that the sunglasses themselves look like the kind of thing that you would maybe win at a carnival. They look like bootleg Oakleys, like they are not attractive sunglasses. That you can you can just tell that they're coming in on that Alibaba, you know, 15 cents a unit type budget, probably selling for 20 bucks a pair and are frankly hideous. And even you know, with the David Dobrik machine quote unquote behind him, I don't see him, I don't anticipate him getting a lot of sales. So Jason did a podcast recently with Ilya Alex, the guy who David gave a staph infection as a young man um, by throwing a pine cone at his head. Some girl who I believe might have been maybe Jason's former assistant that he couldn't afford anymore. And Il Ilya, yeah, I believe it was the three of them, John as well. So they're sitting down and they're talking about how, well, let's just play the clip of, of what's going on with them. It's a lot, man. It yeah, is they, a lot. Like, the thing is, like, David's in this, like, moment in his life. Yeah, where he can do anything. Where he yeah. just parties. 
like every day. <laughs> like genuinely, if there was a party every day, Jay, he would be at it. Not kidding. Yeah. And he'd be fucking drinking, having a good time, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I just can't do that, man. You know? No, I like, can't either. I just can't do that. And like, I'm not, <clears throat> he has something to celebrate because he's made it. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. We've yeah. talked about this before. Yeah. yeah I can't yeah. put myself in that mindset. Like, yeah. He calls me to play pool and I'm like, I gotta go live. And, <laughs> and, I, don't, and I don't expect him to understand that. Like, yeah. I know I've told him. There's also things that I like say to him and I'm not sure if he hears me. Like, I'll say things like, I'm losing my house. <laughs> and, and he'll be like, Oh, but just come play pool. <laughs> there was a great TikTok that he sent, which was like some guy. I don't know if you saw it. He sent it to me. It's just like a TikTok, and it's just a guy on the phone, and it's it's basically David. He's like, yeah, it's just the guy that has like a lot of money and can and can do anything all day. He's like, oh, Dipple's having a party tonight, and like yeah. and it's literally yeah. like things that David has said. I mean, it's crazy because like, all at four. Yeah, I mean, he but if you think it. about it, though, from eighteen to like what 23, 24. Oh, he was hitting. It he, hard. he never, he never drank. I don't think he oh, ever drank. Yeah, never, never did anything. Been, no, 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 no. And no, I just remembered he would like, even when we would um, visit him, we'd be up to like midnight, just like watching the edits, just like, hey, is this is this part better or this one's better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he would have everyone just crowd around his bed. I just remember that. I was like, that was I thought so that was fun. insane. Yeah. And and that and now it's like the complete opposite. Everyone's like working, and here's him just like, hey, what are you doing tonight? And it's like a Tuesday night. Everyone's working. <laughs> you want to watch a movie? Yeah. It's just a crazy switch, honestly. Mm. But I just, I mean, I just can't, I just, I mean, the guy, the guy worked hard, you know, for four he years. Did, did. You were there. Yeah. I mean, you live like eight lives, honestly, Jason. I know. And that, that YouTuber time is so, um, you do so much in such a little amount of time. Like, I don't know. You're like doing so much. Yeah. Me meaning like in one day. You know, you're at a ranch shooting. You're at uh, freaking Madison Beer's apartment shooting. You know what I mean? You're just like, you just do so much in just a little amount of time. Yeah, I miss the I miss the podcast. I wish he, I miss the money of the podcast. <laughs> I see Jason say this on a TikTok clip like every other week. What do I do? He turned down ten million dollar deal. I see you say that on like TikTok clips oh, all the time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. With you, well, that's that. like that's like that's like a joke for my act that I say, which is. You know, he turned down all this money and all he had to do was talk to me once a week for 40 minutes, you know, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and you, I'll tell you why it stings is because that's, that's literally every comment on TikTok live. When's the podcast coming back? So that's why it stings. Cause it's like, if no one yeah. cared, I'd yeah. be like, oh, whatever. No, that was the best podcast ever. It was fun. Um, and you were great on it when you would come on. Thanks. He would always, <laughs> he would always drag you in there and you'd be like, I gotta work <laughs> and then he'd yeah. fire you up. It is crazy how like, no matter how many people love it around him, if he doesn't love it, he just won't do it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And which is totally fair. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Too. Which is like, if you're not into it, that's why I don't, I don't bring it up or whatever. It is a crazy concept because you give that concept to anybody else, and they're like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't do that for ten oh, million dollars?" <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. All you have to do is literally go from your bedroom to your downstairs <laughs> pantry and talk for 40 minutes for $10 million and everyone loves you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's not the case. Not everyone loves you. Yeah, there's, there's but, a lot of, there's a lot of people I'm saying, that are like, pissed too. True, but I'm just saying generally the people that listen. Yeah, generally the people that listen. Yeah, yeah, love yeah. You, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really fun. All right. I mean, it's tough to listen to, right? I mean... Listen, on one hand, you could argue that David doesn't owe these people anything more than he's already done. At the same time, it is brutal to hear that. First of all, I believe Jason and David always had a 70-30 split on the podcast, which I'm sure at one time seemed fair. 70-30 split is insane. Even if we're talking about a $10 million deal, that's insane. I, I've always said that you know david is ultimately he's a pussy he likes to avoid and evade responsibility at all costs he is very uncomfortable with getting any sort of negative type of pushback i i know that he was sort of famous for ignoring things and part of that is a strategy to make things go away but i think also part of it with him ignoring things is simply because he can't take it 
He's very afraid of any sort of negative talk around him. He's very uncomfortable with it. He just he won't acknowledge it. And I feel like at this point, he has nothing more to lose. He is making this insane passive income. He seems to be comfortable. It is incredibly interesting to me that this kid is out day and night partying. And you know that when they're talking about partying, I don't think he's just you know, tossing back beers or whatever. Although that is very interesting. I do believe there's probably some nose drugs and other things involved. And that's just of my, that's my personal opinion. That's always been the way that their group has partied. So I wouldn't be surprised if David has sort of devolved into this, you know, area of his life where he is drinking and maybe doing some other stuff and just really sort of enjoying the burnout phase. What he did in uh, over the course of five years was kind of remarkable. I mean, he changed the way that a lot of people consumed YouTube and the way that he, he sort of like set the standard for what the bare minimum of creating YouTube content was going to be. I would die to know what Mr. Beast's thoughts are on David Dobrik because where David has sort of completely petered out and just lost nearly all of it mr beast just continues to grow and thrive and and despite controversies and some lawsuits himself i believe he's being sued by beast burger right now he has managed to just consistently put out content across you know eight different countries and languages where he is just he's fucking killing it i mean he is so in his bag and i i have you know equal admiration for both of them in some of those ways i would say mr beast is is more impressive to me as a businessman but i really do you know i really do think that there was a good period of time where david had created this group of people around him that you know were it was definitely a very symbiotic relationship he would get in, like you know material out of them sometimes to the point of even danger sometimes it almost felt like some of them liked the danger they liked the embarrassment they liked it because it would further their brand you know i remember one person who i think and zane and heath have really moved away from him but i remember zane maybe realized that some of the stuff he was being asked to do for david's vlogs with the drinking was really negatively beginning to affect his career because of the fact that like his friends would get liquor sponsorships, for example, and Zane, because of his public drinking and what he was known for as a drinker, you know, drink responsibly is something that is such a part of any sort of liquor branding. Everything you do, you have to say drink responsibly. I think most people would argue Zane never drank responsibly. So, yeah, I just um, I'm kind of fascinated by this because while it seems like that that everyone there his hometown friend John makes a really good point, which is that David threw his fucking back into everything for a very long time. I wish Jason would just come out and say, like, I fucking hate the position he left me in. You know, when he says, oh, it was a joke for my stand up. No, it's not. It's the truth. It's not just a joke. It is probably most likely almost definitely absolutely infuriating to him that all David would have to do is show up for 40 minutes, tune out the comments. You know, there were people that were going to listen to that podcast no matter what. And who cares if Spill Sesh or Spill Some Tea With Me or whoever is calling him out in the comments? Who cares if Ethan Klein is doing it? One could argue that David's brand in and of itself is much more bulletproof than that of H3. If I'm going to be honest with you, I think his real true adversary would be Trisha Paytas, who, you know, can go through major scandal after major scandal. Now, granted, she never almost killed anyone, but she has said and done some really horrific things over the years that people eventually have forgiven her for. And I think that is the nature of online creation is that, you know, she is someone who will go through a massive cancellation. She'll maybe cry about it for a day or two or a week or two, but she's not someone who doesn't upload despite the hate that she's getting. And that sort of fortitude is something that I think is really important in the content creator space. I mean, if someone like Shane Dawson can come back and if someone like Colleen Ballinger can come back and continue to get views, I don't see why there's a world in which David couldn't do it. Even if he just did it to a lesser capacity, even if it was just the podcast. And 
you know, I think that they always put a lot more work because of David's insecurities into that podcast than necessary. It was very obvious sometimes that they would fil- record those podcasts over a series of days and maybe David couldn't give his attention for more than 15 minutes at a time or they would need to bring someone in. He was constantly self-conscious about the fact that a podcast truly is a podcast. I mean, you guys have just listened to me ramble to myself about the news for 45 minutes. Plus, I have no idea how long I've had you here. But, um, you know, podcast is a podcast. It's not supposed to be fast paced. You don't need to light someone on fire every five seconds or, you know, cut to a different famous person or whatever. It's OK to just have a podcast that's about talking, being kind of calm, going over life stories. I think that there was nothing more that his audience wanted from him than that. But at the same time, Jason, like his friend said, you know, you've lived eight lives and you look at Jason, the guy looks fucking exhausted. He looks exhausted. He looks chewed up and spit out. You know, it's funny because he always would blame Trisha when they were dating. As we know, this was a a chicken parmesan based relationship and breakup. He would always blame Trisha for the fact that he looked like absolute hell and it's funny now because he just got married to Naveen. Hello, it's me, Ben, <laughs> the girl who released the Raya clip of Ben Affleck. I They just got married at a courthouse over the weekend. He invited, I believe, the only people that showed up to his brunch after the fact were David, Natalie, and uh, one other person. It was very sparse. Most of the people weren't invited. They were definitely, I was reading today on the Reddit, they definitely were invited to the courthouse because I think you can only have 10 people at the courthouse. And Jason, of course, has children. Naveen has a family. There was probably just more priority people there. But allegedly, there was a brunch after the fact. And someone said, I forget where I saw it, potentially Reddit, that David slept through a lot of the brunch and was clearly just there to get content. I just don't know how, even though he is so clearly just self-absorbed, immature, you know, even if you grade him on a curve, he still falls behind in a lot of ways. I just don't know how you could sit back and watch that happen to someone that, you know, literally, I mean, put himself on the line for them at the same time. Jason, get a fucking grip. You left your rich wife to do Vine for a living then hitched your wagon to a 19-year-old boy, ran with him throughout his 24th birthday. Now you've, you know, you had your relationship with Trisha Paytas. All of these opportunities he could have had to make more of it. He could have had a book deal. He didn't do the book. He could have made a documentary. He didn't make the documentary. He could have had a podcast on his own. Didn't have a podcast on his own. Now, I don't I know that he had had a podcast where he had actually gotten some pretty big Hollywood guests. I really think that Jason would have benefited from sort of the model that I've always believed in, which is like, stop trying to book people from Hollywood. Stop trying to book people that are on everyone else's shows. Try to book people that are real and genuine to you that actually might be just interesting guests. Like, literally, I would rather listen to someone interview an Uber driver then listen to someone interview the same person I've heard on six other podcasts that week or that month. But, you know, it's it was just it's it's interesting how low his threshold seems to have become for a lack of success and is quite depressing. And, you know, I would imagine that so many of the business contacts that he once had with David, they must still exist for him in, in some way, shape or form. They still have the same manager. I know David, a lot of the stuff dried up for him with SeatGeek and everything else. But I just I just look at it and I'm like, dude, have Tana on the podcast. Have like someone who, who has a podcast that's killing it right now, but he can't go work with Jeff because he's going to, you know, fuck over David and, and Tana won't work with Jason because one, he tried to kiss her when she was 19 and two, because she's really close with Trisha now and three, because of Jeff Wittick. And like, he has created so many enemies just by standing by David And it makes me sad to see. It makes me sad to see someone who has such little belief in themselves. They now look worse than they did when they were allegedly at their lowest dating Trisha Paytas. You know, the fact that he's losing his house. I mean, lose the house, sell the house, buy a condo. Like your oldest, I believe his oldest kid is in college now. The second one should be off to college anytime soon. He doesn't need to have a multi, you know, know, three bedroom house. 
He doesn't need to have a house in the hills. That investment is going to fall off eventually. The housing market's going to crash. Lord knows I'm getting out of my house soon. And it's just like, take the money and run, you know, reinvest in other things. I don't understand where he has fallen so short in life. It, it was always his motto that, you know, he had all these, you know, he had to pay for his kids. He had all this money from his kids. Like, you know, I don't blame the guy for not suing his wife for alimony, I, but I don't I've never appreciated the idea that his kids were going to go homeless or something if he wasn't working and earning money with David. I, I don't even know where he invested his money that he like, did David ever give him anything? Was there ever a giveaway for him? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, these are three stories that I just want to chime in on really quickly. I'm going to do a bonus this week. I really want to talk about this New York Times piece that came out. Look what we made Taylor Swift do. And then the following, you know, statement from her associates that are allegedly horrified by the idea that Taylor could possibly be queer flagging in her music. <laughs> Fucking crazy people. Like, they're like, literally, I'm I'm so I'm so off of Taylor this week. You know, she'll get me back. She always does. But I'm literally I'm I'm kind of disgusted. So I think I'm going to do a bonus about that might not be safe for the main feed. But yeah, let's let's talk soon, guys. I hope that this solo episode was OK for you. But I did want to get something out there and we miss Tiff and she'll be back next week. Stay safe, you guys. Happy New Year. Hope you have the best one ever. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. That look like a double G Every girl in here 10 But it ain't no Tennessee And you might just get some money But it ain't no guarantee Delta G's on the left Delta G's on the right And you know I stay in Texas I don't really like to fight Like we in 2013 Shawty do it for the fun Shawty moving real well I might have to wind it down Threw the money to the ceiling Now watch it hit the floor Now rag it up Rack, rack, rack it up King, bag it up Back, back, bag it up King, stack it up Stack, stack, stack it up She said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas And if I drop a pin Best believe that she on the Thought way. Thought was important, but I moved her right about the I'm way. I'm Delta G's tonight. Told her, baby, I got cheese tonight. Get a scholarship. I ain't smoking on no TAC, low tolerance. All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow. Let the tell her. Shout out TurboTax, tax refund. What's another? Back to quarterback at recess. No rush. And you gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission. No rush. This ain't UT. Why your shirt orange like a pump? Mama call me, ask me how college is. And I said, bless Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.